Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, crappy quiz and a slight tangent. World Cup is growing on me. (laughs) (laughs) As a name. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Let's turn our attention to rugby. Alison Miller is with us to talk to us about the absolute hammering that France handed out. Uh, uh, A 14-player France side against uh, Ireland in Musgrave Park. Alison, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, guys. How are you? That was a difficult watch on Saturday as um, it didn't really look competitive at any level for any section of the game. No, unfortunately not. I think there's... um massive gulf between those two teams um, and that was evident watching the game especially like you know we saw the card and thought that would be good for Ireland but unfortunately we didn't uh, we weren't able to take opportunity those opportunities presented by having an extra woman you know um, So a lot's being spoken about the team at the moment in terms of the age profile and the the decade long lack of investment in it uh, What? so it, it always seems like a pie of responsibility, some of the responsibilities absolutely with the players who are there at the moment. But uh, if those players haven't been acclimatized to international rugby, then the questions are: Why have they not been acclimatized over a long period of time? Why is the age profile the way it is? Why is the experience profile the way it is? And that's a fundamental question that we have to ask, really, of the IRFU. It seems from the outside. Yeah, I suppose there is a systemic. Um Failures probably for since I would say with our last success was 2015, and uh, obviously the 2017 World Cup that I played in was a failure in terms of performance. And I think probably from around 2016 onwards, we kind of um, the team started to perform a little bit less effectively every year, and that kind of pushed on and pushed on and pushed on. To where we are now, um, like the IRFU now are putting a lot of work and a lot of effort in, but unfortunately, um, it's happened too late. So we are where we are now. Um, yeah, like the players that are, are playing at the weekend, they're very young. They're very inexperienced, um, majority of them. And like, you know, that's going to take time from them to, to get used to the international level and be exposed to that physicality of the international game because um, if you look at that French team the French league is very strong as is the English league the AL like isn't where it needs to be so like it's about what can I suppose the management do to bridge that gap to get the intensity that those other teams play at week in week out um, in the lead up to you know any given year how do you kind of maybe bring that intensity to um the girls that are full time in the high performance centre because you got to try and match what's going on. Can you bring that into your to your camps? I suppose probably maybe where things were lost from 2013, 14, 15, they were like the really good years. And I think the RFU had an opportunity to really build the game on the back of that success, like really, really get girls playing, you know, um, use that success to build a game and be ambitious about it and um, that didn't happen 
and all the focus was put into sevens. And I love the sevens game. And when I speak about that, I was a sevens player as well as a 15s player. Spent all day yesterday watching the World Series. So it's not like I'm not a fan of it, but it's a bit like having two kids and you put all your attention and all your focus on on one child and you completely ignore the other. The other is going to flourish. And that's as simple as that. And that's not saying that the sevens shouldn't have got that attention. I just think when you favour one and ignore the other, that is going to happen, unfortunately. And look, I and a lot of people, we want to see the seven team qualify for the Olympics and they're in a really good position to do that. And it's not, and I like 100%, it's not saying that they, the sevens team, which I was part of and, and I saw how well resourced and well looked after we were, it's not saying that that, that shouldn't have happened. It's just saying that you got to resource for both, you know, in the same way, which like didn't happen. I was a member of both teams. Like so, um, and look, there's no doubt we had if we had some of the sevens girls yesterday, not yesterday, Saturday, um, it would have made a difference. But it's not going to solve the problem. So that's being realistic too, you know. You've probably answered this question, Alison, in in saying that. Like, it struck me in on, both on Saturday and the previous week against Wales as well. The team are missing a certain type of player. They don't really have ball carriers. Uh, you know, you look at the French team and they're 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 packed full of them. Is that just because our our best ball carriers are with the sevens, or is that a is that a a, a deeper problem? Well, like they're they're two very different games, and not let's not um, say that you know, like our sevens players are going to be backs. And yes, like if you have Amy Lee Murphy Crow and Baven Parsons that are able to beat people and. Um, you know, have a playmaker like Stacey Flood and Eve Higgins. Like, they are very, very good players. But you're also looking at, you need big ball carriers like Sophie Spence was in the day. Like like the players like Sam Monaghan there and different things like that. But um, two different games and, like, um, I suppose it's also things like the nuances of the front five that um, are even the pack that are very, very important as well. That... I would have no idea about I've been playing rugby all my life. And um, like my husband was a hooker. So like <laughs> I listened to him talking about the intricacies of scrums and, you know, that tight play and different things like that. That, you know, like me as a back, I, I won't have an iota of what goes on. And so look, yes, they're like in the back line and but that's not going to solve the problem, especially when you're coming up against very, very physical French players from the front row to the back row. Like, um, so it would solve some of the problems, but it's definitely not going to like, you know, make our team a Grand Slam team overnight. That's not going to happen, unfortunately. Is there a sense that there's a, a, a group of players who are not being picked or not involved in the squad who would immediately be more experienced and more used to the vagaries of it or is that narrative wrong what, what's your instinct about that because we, we're certainly hearing that there's a, a core group of players who are kind of in their peak years now who are seasoned and more experienced and would be better capable of implementing a game plan just by virtue of the fact that they have an extra 10-15 caps or an extra 3 or 4 years of experience that these players who it feels could end up being brutalised by the experience of playing for Ireland now as opposed to actually enjoying it? Well, look, I hope, like, you know, it's a very difficult time now at the moment for, you know, Liquid Friday and the captain. And 
like someone asked me the other day, like, did you ever have those massive defeats? And like, I was lucky that I came in in 2010 and I never had massive defeats like that. We had defeats, but I'm just thinking of my first year, like year we lost to France 19-9, you know, close enough game, 2012. We got defeated, but it wasn't by massive scorelines like that. But if you think back to the players I played with, like Fiona Cant, Fiona Cantwell, I'm calling her, Lynn Cantwell, Fiona Coughlin, Joy Neville, uh, like even Grace David, like they shipped massive losses and they'll tell you that themselves. And they stuck with it and stuck with it and just kept their head down and stuck with it. So like, you just hope, the thing now is there's more media attention on that. So like every massive loss is highlighted. So you're just hoping that the girls now will just stick to it um, and don't get disillusioned. And look, the media hype has completely, which is like great, but it's also more difficult for players when you're getting those losses. But to answer your question, like I kind of had a look at like, from 2015, no, 2016 on, there's been massive chopping and changing of players um, for quite a long time. And I kind of looked at squads and saw where girls were and like, where have they gone? And, you know, some have retired, some have just left the game, some are still maybe playing clubs, some have moved on to other sports, some have had children. Um, some have completely like gone back to other sports and like, and like I'm even thinking of like 2018 and 2019 when I played, and even 2017 when I thought Jesus things aren't going well. Like we were still w- winning games, and we were still like 2017, which I thought we didn't play particularly well, but we won all our games in Six Nations bar England. Like 2018, you know, you're winning two or three games, and I was thinking at the time, Jesus this is poor, but <coughs> we're still competitive. So where are those players gone? I think it, it probably resulted from a lot of chopping and changing of different people in, different people out. And like, unlike the men's game where you are like, you're contracted, like if you're not playing for Ireland, you're playing for a club and you're getting paid and you're making a livelihood. But to sustain, to be an international player, to be an elite player, to play at that level and play well, the training that you need to do back then. Oh. Yeah, you're all right. Am I gone? We can still hear you. Oh. Um batter's going to be a player at that level and to play international rugby uh, and be a full-time worker like not a full-time athlete that's going to be tough if you're not getting picked and there's no reward so I think those players filter out of the game unlike the men's game where they stay playing and get better for the provinces because it's a livelihood so that has been a problem as well so people have just gone out of the game and like there is a few players that could play but I look at him, is he trying to pick the younger players who are going to be there in five years' time? Um, I don't know. And there's certainly like players there that you're like, I think they, they would do a good job, but um, it's very complicated. I mean, you're trying, like, I was trying to think what, like, uh, like unfortunately, like, there is there has been now, like, um, jobs advertised for basically scouts for the provinces that go around and try and build talent. And unfortunately, like that's happened too late. I remember saying that to someone in the RFU in 2017 after a World Cup because I come from a small club, Port Leash. I'm from the country. I started off playing rugby, played a lot of sports growing up, played county football, did athletics and just kind of fell into rugby, loved it. But like no one was going to see the games that I played in. I went for Leinster trials, didn't get picked because I was raw you know what I mean I wasn't probably got the right rugby language and 
wasn't, but I was very capable. And then I went to Connacht and got a picture of that. But like no one was coming to see our games and I'm a big, so I was kind of saying we need to have a scout that goes around to kind of fast track this talent and work with them. And that, I, I said that back in, I've been saying it for a long time, but I've been saying it back in 2017. And it's only happening now. So we're like playing catch up now. We're still playing catch up on the professional teams that are in the Six Nations and they've been professional before. Not our, all our girls are professional and some of them are probably development players that we, we're not seeing in the Six Nations. So it's very nuanced. It's very... Players will have to take responsibility for um, not performing well and doing that, but it's like it's very difficult to fully answer it without looking at every single thing that's built up till now, you know? It might seem like a ridiculous question, Alison, given the, a 50, it's a 50-point defeat, but can you take any modicum of positivity from from the performance on Saturday, like Dan O'Brien at 10 maybe being, being one of them? Yeah, like 100% because I suppose you should never go down the dark section of the comments in the 42 mm-hmm. or anything like that. But if you read them, people are like, oh, let, let them give up. That's terrible. How could they have been approved? But like, realistically, if they pre- played the way they did against France, against Wales, it would be a different scoreline because they brought things in like their ability to defend them all was better. Like their defence was better. Dan O'Brien at 10. I thought Grace Moore at 7 was very, very good. Sam Monaghan, you know, and there was these glimmers of hope and um, I suppose they did they did like penetrate the line more. They got more go forward. They just couldn't capitalise then on opportunities, which you're hoping maybe if you have, um, and this is not disrespect to the players there, but if you have you probably were lacking uh, like a big line breaker in the back line and um, that could finish those things off, you know. So uh, there was improvements. Yeah, definitely. And um Look, these players will need time and there will be patience needed. And it is hard if you're if you're losing 50 points to three, especially if it's a 14-woman um, France and you're not. Um, but I suppose there's a big disparity in the physicality of the players as well. And um, at, the, at the, you know, you just got to figure out a way to, to, to get better and I think one of the problems I think and I think this is one thing that annoyed me for a long long time I think this might have been part of the problem as well from about 2016 constantly you know management and people and players coming out in the media saying we're transitioning we're transitioning and like I don't know but I think if you are a player and you are in that and you're constantly hearing we're in transition we're in transition it nearly it has that been a factor in where we are today because you're kind of giving yourself an outlet to perform and that happened from 2016 on. We're rebuilding, we're transitioning. That that just got to stop. I think at some stage, you just got to say, we're not good enough now at the moment, but we're going to do everything in our power to be better. Like I remember being in a training camp and a player turned around to me and said, well, but we're in transition. And I just nearly lost the plot. I was like, what? Like, you can't be saying that. Like, you can't be saying, it's okay, we're in transition because that's not going to help you on match day when you're losing the game or because the other team don't care. So I think that probably that messaging from 2016 constantly from management through the media that gets hammered home, and I think that hasn't helped to where we're getting to now. Um, you just got to accept that you, we're not good enough at the moment, and I think you know you just got to work in your power to like. And the girls will say that at the moment that they're not good enough at the moment in certain areas but they're, they're constantly they're will going to be improved and I think 
Um, that's just it. the girls will have to just really, really work hard on that, and the full time <clears throat> contracts will help that. But unfortunately, we're chasing now, aren't we? Because we were the last union to do that, and I th- and I feel like we were kind of pushed into it. We didn't take, we weren't ambitious and try and get ahead of the posse when we could have. We we kind we were the last country to do it, so that has been problematic in. And obviously the range of contracts and we've got to a stage where a lot of people have left the game and they might have taken up contracts um, back 2017 maybe, you know, because they were looking at a World Cup that they could have qualified for. But um, now the World Cup, you've got to be a younger player maybe to, to take those contracts because they're, they're, they're quite low in the actual sum of them and you might want to, like if you were older and you're in a good job and you're on the career ladder, you're maybe not going to risk that. So there's so many factors in this, really. Yeah. All right. It's a factory of sadness at the moment. Alison, great to have (laughs) you with us. Thanks a million. And no problem, guys. Bye-bye. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.